Hi, welcome to BTS Podcast. This is your host, Lene Cook. This is the first episode of the South by Southwest series of the BTS Podcast that uh, Trendscaping has partnered with me for, which is super exciting. And I will get into what Trendscaping does later. Uh, just keep in mind, they're amazing and you should look them up on Instagram and tri- Twitter while you're listening to this to dig in. Um, just to get a good sense of what they what they're all about um, unless you're driving and then don't do that so the first guest that I am delighted to have on the this particular series is Brittany Hicks she is the founder of girls in fashion and tech the co-founder of the women of color fashion tech brunch and co-creator of slash Seattle she's also the co-creator of the WTF fashion podcast which is launching in late March early April of 2019 as well as an adjunct professor at Seattle Pacific University. All of that is layered on top of her full-time position at Amazon in planning and operations on the private label fashion team. She has years of experience in supply chain management and planning. She's just like, not only is she incredible at what she does, but the amount of forward thinking and community building that she does is really impressive. And I learned so much from her um, in terms of where she sees there is room for improvement in fashion and retail, um, not only from the perspective of representation and diversity and inclusion, but how also that relates to problem solving. And those, I would like to say also on top of that, those are truly the two themes that I've seen emerge at South By. Um, I'm recording these intros and outros afterwards um, because South By ended up being absolutely crazy. Um, so the, the two main themes that I've noticed, and you'll see this kind of rise in conversation throughout these interviews, and I noticed it during some of like the more, um, I guess, useful conversations and, and sessions I saw, at South By that were really talking about the topic at hand and, and not pushing forward someone's like, you know, new agency agenda or whatever, is that thematically where people's heads are at, thank goodness, is holistic problem solving and community building. And you really cannot have holistic problem solving without community and inclusion. Um, and so we get into just like how she sees that playing out in an effective way in the fashion industry um, from, I guess, sort of like farm to table for lack of a better phrase, when it comes to getting clothes from everywhere that they come from down to like like the cotton and materials that they're made out of to retailers and then what happens to those. So we have just a ton of conversations around that. After this, um, if it is late March or early April when you're listening to this, you should absolutely look up the WTF Fashion Podcast. The panel that she is on will be recorded and on their podcast, and I learned so much. Like I filled up probably two or three pages full of notes um, and like potential tweets of just tidbits of incredible soundbitey information that they shared. Um, so yeah, hopefully you enjoyed this conversation. I really enjoyed it. I loved getting to know Brittany. She's absolutely incredible. And I look forward to just seeing so many of her endeavors come in to like just blossom. Um, so anyways, to backpedal just a little bit, this episode was created in partnership with Trendscaping. Uh, Trendscaping is really incredible. I have contributed before. I often read it. I subscribe to their newsletter and read it quite often. Um, I would say that the hustle and Trendscaping are like probably two of the newsletters that I click on every time without fail. Um, their insights are really helpful. And in fact, the insights that they shared just prior to me recording this episode is about um, this millennial trend, which Brittany absolutely embodies, which is being side helpful. So it's like a side hustle that is also um, not just where like, you know, the social responsibility part is not an afterthought, which I love. I really, really, hope and look forward to a day where social responsibility is not something that companies do once they're profitable or something that they like just throw money into, but that they are creating businesses from the ground up that are social, socially responsible, I guess, in nature or from the get-go, if that makes sense. Um, it's something that my dad and I have talked about for ages. But anyways, Trendscaping is incredible. Look them up on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. The insights they share are really great. Um, and it's not just across sort of like millennial trends, but it's also in terms of restaurants, retail space, um, trains of thought, 
trains of thought, is that how you say it? I'm tired, I'm sorry you guys, it's been a wild few weeks. So anyways, check them out, they're amazing. Trendscaping is a website and community platform for sharing and mapping insights, ideas, and the evolution of concepts. They do an incredible job of that. Their, um, their open source approach really enables unique discoveries and alternatives by linking themes across a breadth of subjects and industries, which as you may have noticed is something that I like to do too. Let's hope I will say that uh, the content on that website is probably a lot more succinct and better written than a lot of my thoughts, which often come by way of rambles and uh, potentially lose some people. Anyways, I love how Shannon, the founder, describes it. It's truly beautiful and really speaks to like kind of the general vibe of Trendscaping. Um, she says, think of it as a cross-pollination where ideas are the flowers and community members are the bees, exploring and contributing to significant cultural shifts. Um, and, and truly what does set Trendscaping apart is the belief that trends are less about clever labels and more about their effects. Um, the founder, Shannon Kelly, she coined Trendscaping and started her food and fashion blog in 2005. She has an incredible background in trend forecasting and has worked with some really incredible clients. She has had roles at Starbucks and J. Crew, and she's been a consultant for Fortune 100 companies, top advertising firms, technology brands. Um, and yeah, I'm just really excited to partner with Shannon of Trendscaping on this and really appreciate their support. Thanks so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy the episode. Hey, and welcome to BTS Podcast. This is your host, Lene Cook, and I am here at South by Southwest in Austin, Texas with Brittany Hicks. She is the founder of Girls in Fashion. Is that right? Did I get that wrong? Yeah. Okay. I, I wrote it down and I, I looked at it just now and I thought like, was there more to the name? <laughs> One more thing. Girls in yeah. Fashion and Tech. That's what it was. Girls in Fashion and Tech. Um, the co-founder of Slash and uh, and also the co-founder, right? Mm-hmm. Of, co-creator, yeah. Co-creator of the uh, Women of Color Fash Tech Brunch. Mm-hmm. Hi. Hi. How's it going? It's going great. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, definitely. Um... How's your experience at South by been so far? Uh, so far it's been great. You know, just, it's such a, I don't know, cool event and like conference. You get to meet a lot of interesting people working on interesting things. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's like one of my favorite things to do is just hear all the different stuff people are working on. So it's been awesome. That's awesome. Can you, so, um, Brittany is on a panel. Let me think we're recording on Sunday. Mm -hmm. You're on a panel tomorrow, which is Monday. Yeah. Um, which I think is going to be recorded as a podcast. Is that right? That is correct. Awesome. Yeah. And where can people find that afterwards? So afterwards, they will be able to find a link to the podcast um, on my website, girlsinfashionandtech.com. Okay. Um, also, luxorandfinch.com, another supporter of the podcast. So we're actually going to be launching it at the end of this month. It's called WTF Fashion. And awesome. we are really just going to be having some interesting conversations about all the cool things going on in fashion tech. That's so great. Yeah. I love it. Um, so then if you are listening to this immediately after, you should go and listen to the podcast that they do um, because I'm excited to hear about it. Let me back up a little bit and before we dive in, because tomorrow's theme um, is all around the fashion industry. Yep. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about your experience in the fashion industry? Totally. So I always go back to the very beginning um, in school. So I studied supply chain management, which at the time I had no clue um, that I would end up in fashion. It's like a very, like, so random degree choice. Yeah. So (laughs) just to like soothe everyone's like mind, let me explain to you how I landed on that because it wasn't very scientific. Um, I went to school and I like was studying finance. Mm-hmm. Um, both my parents like work in finance and accounting. And so that was just like a natural choice for me. And I was good with numbers. So I was kind of like, okay, I'll try this. Um, I got to school, did an internship in New York. It was the summer that Lehman went bankrupt. Mm-hmm. I was literally there, like interning at Lehman when they oh announced it God. that August. Yeah. It was like kind of an insane, like what part of my story. Yeah, it was really interesting. Yeah, as an intern for sure. (laughs) Um, So I immediately like went back to school and was like not doing that. So um, at my university, because the supply chain program like sits like with the econ and marketing like Mm -hmm. area, Mm -hmm. this was like the next closest thing I could do without changing my um, completely changing my major, graduating late, and Mm -hmm. like 
I don't know. It just seemed interesting. So I kind of like haphazardly landed in this degree. Right. And I was interested in it long enough to like graduate and like get some other cool experiences. So then I ended up at Harley Davidson. Oh, really? Yeah. So I interned there. Um, I actually did a co-op there for like six months. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was in like supply chain and planning. Um, Interesting. Very bizarre. But I was like into it because I, I landed on this team that they call custom vehicle optimization or operations and basically it's like the top of the line bikes they put out every year like all the technology that goes into that and the production teams that work on that I was doing like planning for not the cool job like Mm -hmm. planning for like the nuts and bolts and like widgets okay um but at their (laughs) office they have um a fashion office for like all of the apparel well that's what I was about to ask (laughs) were you in supply chain for like their actual motorcycles yeah. or because I was just imagining how interesting like supply chain for like leathers mm-hmm. is. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Like, totally. Like, yeah. Which totally interesting. Totally was not working on that. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but I got to meet the women who were. And cool. so that kind of like opened my eyes to, okay, you landed in this random career. Um, and it's one of those things where like, you know how you garner an interest for something. Mm -hmm. So like, it wasn't even like I was chasing a goal of like, Oh, I want to graduate with this degree. It was just like the the novelty of it. Yeah. Yeah. Like I was like, okay, I can do this for like two more years. Um, wanted to graduate. Exactly. And so being in that space, seeing that like, Hey, all the same skills that I have, like absolutely apply to like the fashion world. Um, that was kind of my introduction to that idea. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I guess I have to give my university credit too, cause like they definitely have like an interdisciplinary focus. So mm-hmm. I was always looking for ways that my path applied to other things, but that was my introduction to the fashion space. So my senior year, I like went back to school after that junior year internship and like took all the fashion, like textiles, like every cool. class I could find, That's awesome. um, to kind of like prepare myself for my transition to the fashion industry. Um, got super lucky, landed in a training program at Belk, which is like a regional retailer um, in the South. It's pretty like popular. There are 300 stores. It used okay. to be privately owned, but was, I think, recently sold maybe two or three years ago. Um, and then from there, you know, my career kind of just moved on as normal. Started mm-hmm. out as an assistant buyer, like moved my way up through the ranks. Well, and Define normal, because I don't think that, like, <laughs> the average person listening knows what that means. That's probably industry. true. Okay. Yeah. So in terms of merchandising, um, I would say like a pretty traditional career path for someone who becomes a buyer is starting out in a training program. Um, so a lot of the retailers have them. Macy's um, has one, Saks, everyone. Um, That's really cool that they do that because yeah. I... I don't think that most industries have training programs at all mm-hmm. anymore. Like, I mm-hmm. never see anywhere that offers on-the-job training, really. Mm-hmm. So that's really interesting. Yeah, and I actually think that's one of the cool things about our industry still in the context of um, whenever I talk to students, I always tell them that I feel like merchandising is still very much like an apprenticeship industry. Like, mm-hmm. all of the things that I learned about, like, managing a P&L, and what it means to do it in like a real um, profit and loss statement. Okay. Um, so within our space, we have um, this thing called open to buy. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's essentially like your open checkbook for how you manage your business each month. Okay. Um, Interesting. I don't do as much of that anymore in my current life. So Perhaps we'll talk about that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but in my past life, all of the nuts and bolts of like managing that, um, I learned from the buyers that I worked for in mm-hmm. these various offices. So whether it was in jewelry or women's suiting or outerwear, um, yeah, a lot of the inputs of managing those businesses are different. So the nuance like seasonality or the, mm-hmm. the brands you work with, like those things change. But um, most of my friends who are in the industry, you know, they always have that story of like their first buyer that they worked for and like all the wisdom and just like things they learned about their career, how to navigate mm-hmm. it. So I, I always share that cause I think that that is like a really special part of like how yeah. we're groomed and just like grow as a merchant. Yeah. And I think from like, you know, when someone's in college and looking at that as a career option, mm-hmm. it's like scary chances are you don't know anyone who does that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think it's probably really helpful for students to know like, Oh, somebody will teach me. Mm-hmm. Those are like, show up and tell everything totally yeah that's really cool and so then um 
what were sort of like the positions that, and then you want to talk a little bit about like where you're at now? Yeah, for sure. So after I left Belk, um, I moved on to a company called Stage Stores or Specialty Retailers in Houston, mm-hmm. um, another large like national department store chain. Mm-hmm. Um, had some great experiences there, learned a lot more about like building a business. And it was also during the time where like everyone was, um, toying around with the idea of like omni-channel retail mm-hmm. so that was kind of like my introduction I think to like owning a P&L and thinking about it in terms of like e-commerce and like mm-hmm. what that would look like yeah um and can you also explain a little bit about omni-channel retail for yeah like, because I think that that's also a term that like we throw around a lot in like yeah. the marketing world especially mm-hmm. um but I don't think like people outside of that know what that means absolutely so um at that time, omni-channel for us meant um, essentially managing like one channel for your total assortment. So if you have like brick and mortar retail, which we're all familiar with, it's mm-hmm. like not a thing of the past, super important right. still. Um, but it's like going to the store and shopping. And then like this whole e-commerce piece, um, warehousing products, whether at that time a lot of stores were picking and shipping product from their physical store locations and then um, yeah and then like getting it to customers that way Um, and then there's also like these other shipping channels so whether it's like drop ship or shipping direct fulfillment from like an FC location Mm -hmm. Um, so it's essentially all of the different ways that you manage these supply chains to like Mm -hmm. get the product to the end user okay Um, so omni-channel just meaning like all like So, um, anyone who went to church should know what Omni Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Omnipresent, Omnichannel, kind of like, yeah, using your context clues there is awesome. Um, I think for me, I always saw it from the context again of like the supply chain. Like, what is the process of getting the product from once the vendor lands it in my warehouse, or if you're a brick and mortar retailer in my retail physical location? Um, like what are all the paths it can take to get to our customer? Um, and so that's definitely evolved over time. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's just been like a really interesting process to watch because I remember seeing that at Belk and like their approach to it and then like seeing it at stage and like their approach to it. Mm -hmm. And then to finish answering your question. So I left stage, um, I guess it's been in 2015 now. And so I moved to Seattle and I work for Amazon now um, on their private label fashion business, but I've had a couple of different roles. Um, I worked as a buyer for contemporary denim, um, worked as a buyer for women's fast fashion. Mm -hmm. um, And so now I'm in like supply chain and operations working on our, yeah, global private label business. Very cool. Yeah. That's awesome. So one of the reasons I had Brittany set all of that up and explain all that is a, I think it's super interesting, um, what she does specifically and B to kind of tee up the conversation, um, for like just the various, uh, different projects that she has going on right now outside of her day job. So, (laughs) which is why we're, uh, which is why we're having this conversation and why she's at South by, um, so then can you walk us through a little bit about like the, your experience in that and like what it was there a specific catalyst for starting? Um, I mean, name any of the previously yeah. mentioned like options, right? Like, was there a catalyst like um, and like, you know, did you like bond with other women to kind of go like, hey, we should do something else? Like what was sort of like the trajectory of the concepts. Yeah. For that's these, a that makes sense. great question. Um, so I'll try to like link them all together because okay. they're sort yeah. of interrelated. Um, I think initially, so we'll start with girls in fashion and tech. Um, I also refer to it as gift for short, so okay. we'll just do that. Awesome. But, um, I think for gift, it was very much that thing that you said, which is a lot of people not fully understanding or even having the awareness of like what a career in merchandising looks like or is. Mm-hmm. Um, I've found that with, with a lot of my peers, because um, I, you know, as with anyone else, have a ton of close friends now who mm-hmm. work in fashion and merchandising. Right. Um, but growing up, not living in a major metropolitan area, so not being from LA or not being from New York, mm-hmm. I didn't grow up around people who worked in fashion in that right. context. Um, my like view on working in fashion was like very narrow. I'm like, oh, you could be like a model or I don't know, a yeah, designer or totally. 
Um, and I knew and understood that like <coughs> procurement was like a career path. Um, oh. But I didn't, and only because again, like with my parents working in corporate, like okay. just having that exposure. Right. But I think just it goes back to the idea of exposure and like mm-hmm. you don't know what you don't know. And so yeah. as I started to move up the ranks in my career, I was constantly getting um, Facebook messages or LinkedIn messages from students all saying like, I, you know, I have a passion for fashion. Like I want your job. Aww. Like I want to do that, which is super flattering. Yeah. Um, oh, sends me Facebook messages. <laughs> um, super flattering, but also so this like, I noticed this pattern, right? Like mm-hmm. of the exposure piece, because mm-hmm. knowing that you want to work in fashion and like sort of knowing what a buyer is, like yeah. I... I didn't have context or like even the, I think, um, exposure to just like reach out to someone like, right. and ask those questions. And but we didn't have Facebook. We didn't have Facebook, right? Like we didn't have LinkedIn. <laughs> um, you were mostly just talking to your parents, friends about like their careers right. and like what they did or maybe you were, we're reading, reading about it. Like, yeah. I would read a lot of interviews and I was, I mean, I was like a very sleuthy child. Yeah. So I would like <laughs> find these people sometimes and like yeah. people, for sure, like I would like find their MySpace or like whatever or like their website where it would have their email Uh or I would just guess their email. Yeah. I would be like, I did that too. That's how I, yeah, that's actually how I got one of my internships. I was like, let me just try to put this together. I was so shocked when they responded. What do you have to lose? Nothing. You should always, always, always try, always reach out. And it's so much easier now than it was then. Totally. But, um, sorry. No, 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 it's okay. I think, um, because that is a great point, just that whole exposure component. So for me, gift evolved out of noticing that when students were reaching out um, or, or even other professionals when they were reaching out and wanting to transition into this like fashion career path, um, the perception was just like completely incorrect. So mm-hmm. like people, I get all the time, like people thinking that I like shop all day or like go to fashion shows or um, just the idea of like what it means to be a merchant. And for some companies like that absolutely is like a true definition of what a buyer is Mm -hmm. Um, but I think by and large in corporate retail um, it's like the things that I talked about right so like Mm -hmm. P&L management like managing vendor or like brand relationships um, Mm -hmm. inventory planning like all of those things like you're very much the owner of and like running and managing a business Mm -hmm. and so I saw gift ultimately as an opportunity to kind of like evangelize that Mm -hmm. Um, and then getting into this space of incorporating like technology supply chain like all of these technical skills into the fashion industry i get that question all the time Mm -hmm. um just talking to students again about interdisciplinary study i think it was like a concept that i was introduced to in school um (laughs) shout out to north carolina auntie um they (laughs) they really like craft your curriculum around that idea um and it was like a new initiative that they started right around the time i was starting school Um, but just helping students understand like whatever it is that you're passionate about, like you can find a way to use like a technical skill set or especially now a technical skill set or, um, if, even if your creativity is what drives you and that's Mm -hmm. what attracts you to a space like fashion, um, how do you think about incorporating other components of like who you are or like skills that you bring and gifts that you have yeah. into that career path and without being scared like to me yeah. a lot of the stuff around the idea of entering the fashion industry mm-hmm. is the same thing with any of like the flashier industries mm-hmm. you get a lot of people around you going like well what if it doesn't work out mm-hmm. like but then you've people who are operating out of fear of like what if that fashion's too narrow mm-hmm. then you'll never get a job anywhere else absolutely like, yeah if you have those technical skills mm-hmm. um I think that's one part of it. It's like, you know, you have those technical skills. It's like, no, you will always have a place. Mm-hmm. And also, like, there's always room to, like, shift things around. Totally. Like, no one should be operating out of fear in that department. Totally. Um, but on the flip side of thing, I, things, I think when people look at supply chain and then go, like, well, I'm not a technical person. Mm-hmm. I'm a creative person. There's always creative solutions to technical problems. Exactly. And, like, I'm actually really glad because my... Uh, my dad just got asked to teach a class oh, on awesome. like being creative because he, he comes from like a finance and economics background mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's a professor at Concordia now and mm-hmm. like I love that somebody basically went to one of his lectures mm-hmm. and they were like you think and operate so differently like can you teach a class about thinking creatively mm-hmm. in like a corporate space because yeah. people need to know 
that like that's how solutions get found. Exactly. It's like, you know, through like, I mean, obviously we'll get into this. It's yeah. like through diverse like experiences and thought processes totally. and stuff like that. So like, if we were all trying to sit, solve problems the same way, nothing would ever. Absolutely, get absolutely. And so I think um, gift kind of just started with me like speaking to classes or mm-hmm. speaking to students and like wanting to impart that wisdom and like mentoring. Yeah. Um, over time, it has evolved into. Um, curriculum development, curriculum consulting. Um, Yeah. And also just evangelizing this idea that like within the fashion space, but also in creative spaces in general, like there will always be these people that sit at the intersection of finance and fashion or um, coding and fashion or Mm -hmm. product development and fashion or you name it. Like Every industry like has the gamut of things that are needed. Um, and even when I was working or aspiring to work in finance, right? Like, had I had that awareness that like, okay, every fashion company has like a finance component. Like, right. I can take this skill set into that space. Um, but I think just helping people to understand that. I think for me, that the fashion and tech part came alive um, as a part of my experience of working at Amazon where Mm -hmm. we're constantly building and developing new products and just seeing how, um, (laughs) how they've approached, um, the fashion space and Mm -hmm. like just using our business to, um, iterate on that, what that means, um, especially the supply chain piece. So that's been really cool for me to be a part of that. But, um, yeah, just really wanting students to understand like, there's so many opportunities to like enter the fashion industry from different lenses and then helping universities to understand like how do we prepare students for that? Because I think another, how to prepare girls for that. Yes. That is such a like huge component of it. Um, so helping universities understand that like students need these skills, even if they want to work in fashion, like it's great to have. And again, like limited narrow context to like my experience so just speaking from that lens now but like the fashion history component is like awesome right like the creative skills are great like knowing all the pantone colors like that's cool um yeah but for me some of the right for me it's (laughs) like once i got to amazon after having worked as like an assistant buyer and like my biggest hurdle to jump was like you know understanding or like trying to write sequel to like get my reporting so how do we make those skills just like a baseline now for students that want to enter merchandising to make sure that like those skill sets aren't lost on them um to make sure that they're not paying for outdated information exactly so yeah so and I think it's like just trying to bridge that gap between like the skills that are needed in the workplace now and like what students are learning in terms of their curriculum um and then another like really great point that you made that I love is just um you're so generous with your compliments no but I mean you're like hitting all the nails on the head it's um it's really important to think about like how women exist in the fashion space Mm -hmm. and like I mean there are crazy statistics out there but um the Times published one stat that like sticks with me all the time about two years ago where mm-hmm. almost 90% of all of the fashion merchandising graduates are women. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you look at like the top hundred retailers that consider themselves like high fashion, most of those companies are run by men. And so when we start thinking about um, brand and like marketing and like who the customer is, right? Like yeah. we all very much know that in fashion we are like targeting like the female consumer. She's shopping yeah. for herself, for her family. Um, yeah. She actually I won't say surprisingly actually to most people's um surprise she owns like a large share of the wallet in the U.S. but we have people at the very highest levels of like fashion and merchandising um making decisions that don't look like her and that's not even like a cultural or like racial issue it's just like gender yeah so 50 50 split exactly so it's like how do we start talking about that component of existing in the fashion space as a woman and then um yeah just like I think the most important thing too is just giving students the language to articulate the things happening around them because it took me so long I started gift two years ago okay so 
you know, six or seven years into my career, I'm just now starting to look around and say like, hey, these are all the things that I wish like I'd been able to even just have the language to articulate. Like when I I remember working at other companies um, or just at any of the places where I've worked, just looking around at the merchandising floor and thinking like, wow, a lot of the like mid-tier managers are women and like have these really awesome careers that I like respect and enjoy but when I look a a little bit beyond that in leadership like I don't see anyone who looks like me whether that's a woman or a black woman for sure so like just seeking out um (coughs) something as simple as seeking out mentors right in this very like elusive and like unclear path Mm -hmm. um became like a challenge for me and then when I started talking to my peers wherever they were, they were having like the same challenges too. So the culmination of all of that, right, became gift over time. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I've been fortunate to collaborate with friends on initiatives through gift, like the Women of Color Fashion Tech Brunch. Mm -hmm. Um, So Fashion Tech, super broad field, like one of my... Which, um, real quick, while we're on the subject of the brunch, Uh do you want to plug it real quick? Oh, yeah. When's the next one? Where can people learn more? Where can they sign up? Absolutely. So you can definitely sign up for the brunch on wocftb.com splash that.com okay um, there will be links to this in the description by the way yes um so the brunch is like i think awesome it's it really just I like lurked it. <laughs> was like this is amazing yeah so we do it semi-annually um the first one being in september we just finished hosting one this past February. Um, so it's around Fashion Week time. Always during Fashion Week, yeah. Smart. Um, in, in New York, then? In New York, okay. yeah. And just bringing together women who work in the fashion tech space, which is so new and exciting, but also yes. so broad. And that can encompass anything from, like, fit technology, body scanning, media, video gaming. Like, there's so many ways to yeah. think about, like, fashion and representation and, like, Absolutely. the intersection I of, like... I love that you yeah. games. I know, so and, cool, like, right? Yeah, that's awesome. Um, yeah, it's really just, like, any woman who sits at the intersection section of creative spaces and technology Mm -hmm. like you would want to be a part of this it's just bringing us all together creating a community and just talking about like the issues of diversity and like what it means to be a woman in this space and like how do we all use our or leverage our combined power to like move it forward so um definitely check it out we're actually expanding to new cities this year so we'll be coming to LA coming to Seattle um yeah to just like create a larger community and just build more opportunities for people to connect and like talk about what they're doing. So, uh, what is the, like, so for anyone who's listening, yeah. like, what is the price range for that? Yeah. So tickets are typically about $75. Okay, we offer, yeah, yeah, for sure. In the New York market, it's like brunches, yeah. brunches, brunch. Yeah. I, mean, um, I should say like approachable for someone who I've like lived in only expensive. Yeah. <laughs> That's totally reasonable. Yeah. Sure anywhere else people are like, for a brunch, yeah, you know, but like, for sure, I like New York, LA, it was twenty six dollars, oh and I was like, oh, I know, I really? literally had the best tacos the other day. I had tacos, beans, and rice for like ten dollars. Yeah. I was like, that would never happen in I Seattle. Was like, I'll buy for <laughs> like, never mind, this. No, yeah, <laughs> for a second, it felt like I should. Well, and I will say, if you're at a job or perhaps in like. I don't know, in a situation where you could expense this, Mm -hmm. you should definitely approach your leaders, which um, if they're smart, they will know it is not okay to say that, (laughs) that this is not a good opportunity, especially if you throw in, potentially given your leadership and their awareness of cultural sensitivities, that this is a great opportunity for networking for learning, for you finding a mentor mm-hmm. who's like you, mm-hmm. like bring that up and have your company pay for it yeah. if possible or see if you can get like, I don't know, some, if it's like a financial burden on you mm-hmm. and even if it's not and you have a job that has an education budget, mm-hmm. use it for that. Yeah, absolutely. And for students, we offer scholarships oh, um, cool. to make sure that they can like be in that space, hear the conversations. Awesome. Um, the brunch always includes a panel. Um, and so... Which was an incredible panel. I yeah. looked at the last one and it's like amazing. Yeah. So our last panel, we had um, C-Suite Coach, who does a lot of like cultural and diversity coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, they actually have a contract right now with Google and work on some really cool initiatives there. Very cool. Um, which is another like fast tech incubator. They work um, to build community and just like provide opportunities for women of color. Um, we had uh, someone from finance at ASOS, which mm-hmm. was like 
she had incredible perspective, right, That's on awesome. um, what's happening in the fashion and tech space and just how they're approaching some of those problems and, like, what's happening internally, culturally. And from a young brand that, like, mm-hmm. anyone in, like, the, I assume, like, almost any girl in, like, the 23 to 35 space totally. has shopped at ASOS, has heard of ASOS, yeah. has noticed Taylor Swift wearing that ASOS outfit Absolutely. that one time. Yeah. Like, all those things. So that's, like, it's just awesome, I think, too, to have very... Brand, like brands that are really relevant to mm-hmm. you, mm-hmm. Um, so that's awesome. Yeah. Was there anybody else? Sorry yeah, one more. Off. No, it's okay. Um, it's all like great conversation. I'm so excited. <laughs> Likewise. Um, and then our final panelist is actually my co-collaborator on the brunch, oh, awesome. Jessica Couch. Yeah, okay. and so she was representing um, her company Luxor and Finch, mm-hmm. which is a fit tech consulting firm. Uh-huh. So she looks at issues of fit in the fashion industry. So that covers everything from sustainability, which um, I've learned awesome. so many sound bites from her. So I'm going to share oh some God, of them. Um, but that yeah. is like an area I'm passionate about. <laughs> oh really? That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Like so there's wildly passionate about. like. We produce so much waste due to mm-hmm. like the issues in the, in the supply chain and production and related yes. to fit. Um, $64 billion of returns every year just related to fit issues. Oh. That's like crazy math, yeah. right? So like um, if you can solve, like we talk so much now about like, the reverse supply chain and like what do we do with all the extra clothing we make? I think we make seven pieces of clothing every year mm-hmm. for like people in the world. like. I think if you think of that in the context of the U.S., then that doesn't feel crazy, like, because we have, like, a very much, like, a consumer culture. Yeah. Um, but if you look around the world at, like... At the people who aren't buying clothes. Totally. Like, the global, just, like, ideology around, like, yeah. consumerism and, like, how we shop and, like, what we think about apparel mm-hmm. and how most <clears throat> of the world, which we'll be talking about this tomorrow on the panel, um, really thinks of clothing in terms of, like, function and not yeah. this, like, creative idea that we um, associate the fashion industry with and right. how sexy it is um it's just like way too much product right yeah. so um too much stuff. yeah too much stuff so how do we not just think about the reverse supply chain and like how to fix the problem that we've created but like each year like let's make the problem smaller right so right. you do that by thinking about things like fit in a different way thinking about like the production supply chain in a different way mm-hmm. um and just like not basically buying smarter like we say that yeah um but it's like so much further upstream because trying to reach those like economies of scale or thinking about how to um like optimize the bottom line or like optimize your inventory like in season Mm -hmm. that's a totally different conversation than like how do we pattern cut differently right so Mm -hmm. we don't waste as much product or like scraps of material like interesting in between size runs so there's like all of these and I think this is a great illustration to go back to gift because it's like there are all of these points in this in the supply chain of like product development mm-hmm. um, where we need smart people that, with technical skills to like address these problems. Yeah. Um, and so that's a lot about like what we talk about God, with this, gift. This makes me want uh, like WGSN or like a big trend forecaster to really come out and push brands to mm-hmm. do because you know a lot of brands are now being held accountable to sharing like the um, diverse talent range yeah i wish that brands were held accountable to like being just more uh transparent with their supply chain Mm -hmm. but also like i don't know i guess i think about the idea of um one of my friends she does trend forecasting here Mm -hmm. is um august and she's incredible and you know, she'll tell brands here buy X amount of this, mm-hmm. and this, you know, this is gonna be like a fringe trend. So mm-hmm. buy this X amount of this, and just the idea of a brand kind of going against a consumerist mm-hmm. like mentality, mm-hmm. and instead going like, hey, here's this cut and this fit that you can wear several different ways, mm-hmm. so that like the next time this trend is out, mm-hmm. this piece still works for you, mm-hmm. and like of a brand seeing value in that, mm-hmm. and then. You know, obviously there needs to be a brand benefit. Everyone cares about their bottom line. Yeah. But there should be some sort of, like, incentive on the consumer end to go, mm-hmm. like, oh, I respect this brand more for doing this, mm-hmm. um, and I'm going to buy from them and support them, mm-hmm. and, like, I don't mind that it's maybe twice the amount of what I would normally totally. pay for a jacket or yeah. whatever. Um, because I think that if, if we can align on that, and then also, and I think, and this is, like, a larger problem in my opinion, but mm-hmm. this is just also my opinion, um is that publicly owned companies are held to these like 
just expectations from shareholders mm -hmm. um, that, that you'll see like growth mm -hmm. on like a quarterly basis in a certain way yeah that like maybe that's not what the economy or society or the company even needs because mm -hmm. a lot of times how many times have we seen companies have crazy growth numbers and yeah. then fall off because all those growth numbers were made on short-term goals exactly I was just thinking that oh, as you were saying that man. and I think there is definitely this like function this forcing function of like sell more right mm -hmm. like that's always the solution yeah. um but i think one of the things i've learned over the course of my career is like long-term sustainable growth comes from like fixing the problems in the supply chain or like new and innovative ways to like yeah do do the thing that cuts the cost um, right but those are the hard things right like it's yeah, totally because easier. you also have to teach consumers like yeah the it's... amount of friends that i have that are shocked that i get my shoes repaired mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i'm like and they're boots and they're like high quality and they're boots. fixable right like why would i just throw them out totally but you know i think i've been reading up a little bit more on um like the rise of consumer culture in the 80s and 90s mm -hmm. and like i remember even being younger and um a close friend of mine being like why are you taking such good care of your stuff and he basically mm. his mentality was like it makes you, which is so problematic in so many ways, where he was like, it makes you look like you're poor when you are so particular about taking care of your things. Like, if you want to, like, kind of, like, as a low-key flex, you mm -hmm. can just trash expensive things and then let it be known that you could buy new ones. And I was like, hmm. uh, oh, God. <laughs> I was like, I see your point yeah. in, in terms of, like, you know, social kind of like power moves. Mm -hmm. At the same time, a, I am poor. Yeah, <laughs> like I'm twenty years old, and b, like I just can't do that because I don't know. Like my dad was an environmental science major. Mm -hmm. Like I think mm -hmm. about all those things. Yeah, and so if we could remove people from that mentality of needing to have whatever like the newest look is, mm -hmm. and like that necklace that you saw on a trend that works for this week, or like. I mean, in streetwear, it's especially an issue where you yeah. have super flashy, like, t-shirts and jackets or whatever that you can wear once to, like, flex on Instagram mm -hmm. and then, like, turn around and sell on Depop or just, like, stash in your closet. Yeah, it's it's one of those super challenging questions to answer, I feel like, especially in the fashion industry, because we do so much of it, right, for, like, yeah. the aesthetic and, like, totally. I... And it's totally, beautiful. And, and it's, it's beautiful, fun. right? Like, like I find it's joy in it. The creativity, absolutely. Like, I... I would totally be lying if I said, like, that is not the thing that, like, drew me to the right, space, right? Of course. We all um, want, like, new, fun, crazy, beautiful like, things, yes. right? Yeah. And I like to wear obnoxious things, <laughs> and then I'll be damned if I wear that obnoxious thing, like, twice in a year. Right. And, okay, <laughs> because you can't put it on Instagram again, right? Like, right. it's so that, like, all of these conflated issues within, like, the fashion space and fashion culture and mm -hmm. consumer culture and popular culture, it's like, those are the problems to be solved, right? Because yeah. we need fashion to be sustainable, but we also need it to be cool and fun. Mm -hmm. But we also need it to be like well, cost we effective. To be cool, we, we want it to be cool and fun too. Yes, <laughs> I think there's definitely still that human element, though. That like because of how a part we were of raised. it, totally a part of it that speaks to us. Yeah. Um, and what it represents for our mm -hmm. life, you know, just um, the nostalgia that comes with it. Like, there's so much. Um, we just have so much emotion like wrapped up in yes and we judge people so much so we, we do know that you if you dress a certain way in the workplace mm -hmm. that people will perceive you a different way absolutely versus based on your skills mm -hmm. um it really does change the way like everything from you know your nails to your shoes to mm -hmm. if you as a woman if you were red in the workplace mm -hmm. like watch out mm -hmm. you know what i mean it's yeah. just one of those things so like many studies you on better that. you know either be ready to get hit on or get interpreted as a power player depending mm -hmm. on the, the day and who's looking the yeah day, mm -hmm. all that and if you wore lipstick or not mm -hmm. you know um, absolutely and in fact i'm glad we're talking about this because <laughs> the podcast that i'm recording i think one or two after this was with yeah. my friend molly mm -hmm. and her whole her whole sort of like um business is around uh figuring out with women how to organize their closet in a mm. way that like doesn't stress them out when they walk into it in the morning. I love that. And one thing that we talked about, which she and I will get into, so if you're listening to this, definitely when the episode comes out, listen to that one. Mm -hmm. And I think you'll like it too. Is yeah. She was telling me like just how much she learned about 
just being a woman and like how many emotions are tied to your closet. Mm. She was like, because the moment you start talking to a woman about her closet and mm. potentially getting rid of something, oh wow, you learn everything about like her relationship with her mother, right? Because mm. that is something that we're taught is like a, that's true how to bond with other women. Yep, which is crazy because the amount of friendships I know that have ended over a bad shopping trip is oh, like wow. you know, it's <laughs> insane, but like. And like your relationship with money, mm-hmm. your relationship with your body image and all mm-hmm. that stuff. That's so true. That's really interesting. I actually did just read um, a book called The Disciplines of a Beautiful Woman. And she has this whole chapter in the book where she talks about um, your closet and how it shouldn't complicate your life. It should mm-hmm. like enhance mm-hmm. your life. Yeah. Um, and so that was like really empowering to me. I'm So my friends always refute this when I say it. I feel like I'm a minimalist when it comes to my closet. Um, And speaking of issues of sustainability and just like all of these challenges we have in the fashion space, like I love Rent the Runway. We Mm -hmm. also have in Seattle Armoire, but it's like if that is an approachable option for you in terms of, um, you know, just like your budget and like how you think about spending money on clothing. And what kind of things you're going to. Exactly. What kind of things you want to wear. Like I love the idea of like expanding my wardrobe without expanding my closet or expanding my budget. Agreed. Um, And in this like wear once culture where you know it's like okay I wore this it's super cute I put it on Instagram like can't mm-hmm. really wear it again yeah or um, even if you didn't put it on Instagram if you're like with you exactly you get shot for stuff mm-hmm. if you're on a panel or grand event or whatever mm-hmm. and it's like okay so great so then every photo of me mm-hmm. that's I'm out in there, that I'm red in... dress that's my favorite yeah <laughs> exactly. and I love red so like Same. yeah and um, I pride myself in being one of like few redheads that can also wear red yeah like it's a, a for sure a point of vanity <laughs> Well, I don't have pinkish skin like mm-hmm. the rest of you, so it doesn't make me look <laughs> so like okay a lobster. Yeah, and I think that's like so. Those are again like technological solutions that yeah. like we have found to like that women have found that women have found totally excellent point. Um, <laughs> I was like, let it be known, no man. Yes, I was like, huh? How can women get more clothing in their closet without having to buy it all? <laughs> what would that look like Um, so I think like those are all of the fun and exciting problems we have to solve in the fashion industry and it's going to take a lot of technical skill a lot of creativity a lot of diverse backgrounds um, a lot of people with different opinions on well what does it mean for for you to spend money on your clothing or like what are the other solutions to like working out totally because when you um God, I can't remember what context that I was having this conversation or maybe it was a book I was reading. Oh, it was a book I was reading on um, sustainability and, and this was specific to like buildings. Mm-hmm. Um, and he made the point of when we attack like a large problem like sustainability yep. in general, and even if we want to just bring sustainability down to like the fashion level, mm-hmm. but when we just attack one part, what we're not looking at is like the big picture. Yeah. And it made me think of, so um, my dad was... Uh, pretty involved with some of like the relief efforts mm-hmm. after um like just the tragedy of what happened in Haiti yeah. years ago and he has like a very he's like a very what is the word for it oh my god um what is it when oh practical he's like okay. a super practical and wildly skeptical person okay <laughs> like his website's called the reluctant capitalist oh that's funny yes which is hysterical because I have thought internally and never said out loud that mm-hmm. I'm like a reluctant optimist. Oh, and then when funny. he said that, I was like, oh, this is embarrassing. <laughs> like, God. Like, I'm definitely your child. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> um, and one of the big problems that he was talking to me about was just the lack of foresight in sending water. Mm. So what people were doing was, you know, donating cases of water bottles mm. to a place that did no longer have, like, and maybe didn't even prior to that, like, the infrastructure to manage that much waste right the recycling so like instead of sending sending like you know some like water purification things or Mm -hmm. something like that they then have all these water bottles on the street right like what are we going to do with those yeah Mm -hmm. and i think that when you attack any problem and that sort of knee-jerk reaction like well then we'll just do away with like labor in asia and Mm -hmm. you're like yeah okay well what about their economy Right. right like what about those people exactly and that is an so to that point though, right? Like so, as we are, I literally just had this conversation. So Misa Hilton, um, fashion icon, styling icon, she was a panelist on our very first brunch, mm-hmm. um, and I was having a conversation with her not too long ago in New York. We were talking about 
all of these issues of sustainability and she's super interested in how technology is going to solve a lot of them Mm -hmm. um she's done a lot of work with mcm to like develop that brand and um has a very close relationship with the owner and founder and but then the issue of like solving all these problems upstream in the supply chain or creating technology to like do the pattern making or you know for to replace um seamstresses or just all of the human like elements like, yes exactly yeah. ag, like the ag part which yeah. we'll also talk about that tomorrow Good. um that, oh, makes me so happy <laughs> i'm so excited to be there yeah that, but there are just so many parts to what the solutions that technology brings but then of course there's like the human and labor element right yeah. so like how much of our clothing is imported from other places and where the the crux of their economy is seamstress work right. or whether, is factory work treated fairly to, in our opinion yeah not. exactly whether they're being treated fairly in our in our opinion <laughs> or not like that's one element of the labor issue um but then what does it do to the economy over time as mm-hmm. we're finding these new solutions and you guys can't see my air quotes but i'm using them um <laughs> these new solutions right to producing clothing so yeah. what does that look like um, what transferable skills do people have around the world to kind of change what that looks like upstream? Yeah. I mean, just retail in general is changing so much. And like, I don't think people understand fully the global comp- the global impact of um, all of these compounded issues, right? Yeah. And how our, our global economy is very interrelated when it comes to producing clothing. Like totally. it's just such a huge so aside from just like the in-store retail piece, which is I heard a crazy stat the other day on NPR, um, one of the largest um employers in terms of like industry and economy is like retail. So as we have like more store closings, wow. yeah. like more downtrending, like what does that mean for like the US economy? Mm-hmm. But then when you look at that from like a global scale and like all of the clothing that we import, all of the transportation modes that have to get the clothing here, yes. like all of the different factories that are like producing the clothing mm-hmm. um at even, various stages like buttons exactly zippers. right so many components all the trims like i mean even like all the way upstream to just like cotton mills or yeah. you know like growing cotton so as we try to change the ideas that we have around clothing and like disposable clothing and like fast fashion and like all of these things um definitely one of the most exciting categories that I've ever purchased um, was fast fashion, right? It's fun. It's like uh-huh. in and out. You're turning it. Yeah. Um, and at that age, too. Like, I mean, I think we're around the same age. Mm-hmm. Like, I remember Forever 21 and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Like, God, I think Wet Seal. That was, like, my favorite in high school. Mm-hmm. And when I started, I mean, Mom, I hope you're not listening, but I started going out when I was, like, very young. Yeah. <laughs> and um, it was like, oh, I'm going out tonight. Obviously, I'm, I'm gonna run to the mall and buy something. Yeah, I'm just totally. gonna run to the mall and buy something. Yeah, for whatever. Yeah, and it was not, you know, and you like I had I worked all through high school. Super so affordable, like, like when yeah. you're you know working a part time job. And also, like back then, I mean, I lived in a suburb, right? So like the mall, um, the options in the mall, mm-hmm. fast fashion were the only cool option. Totally, like I wasn't spending that much money to buy a shirt. At like Macy's for mm-hmm. sure because that was for like my mom would be like it's a treat if we go to Macy's <laughs> like other than that we will be at Mervin's mm-hmm. and like if and then once I got to be a weird size it was like when double zero became a thing because I've I've been this height since I was twelve so oh, I'm like wow. five seven but I was like ninety five pounds oh my gosh so like then I was like well now we have to shop at like the and mm-hmm. I'm putting air quotes now like expensive <laughs> wet seal yeah because <laughs> they're the only ones that carry my size mm-hmm. um but yeah so but you would end up you know buying stuff to go out mm-hmm. because if you're going out several times a week, mm-hmm. A, you don't do laundry that much. Mm-hmm. And B, you're like, oh, I want to like, you know, you want to look good. You want to yeah. look like the girls you see in music videos. Totally. So you go out and maybe buy like a sequin shirt. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> oh, notorious for the sequin shirt. Which, like that was always my go-to oh, in God. high school. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah. Um, I know that you're short on time. Do you have to go at 1030? Um, yes. Okay. Are we... Like you need to leave here and be ready? Like do you need to get ready? Well, I'm pretty ready. Okay. I wasn't sure. Okay, yeah, yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Okay. Well, then we will do, because that means that we have, like, a few minutes left. So, okay. let me, let's see. I'm looking at my bullet points for okay. listeners. Um, Anything else you want? <laughs> yeah. Well, I think I would love to talk about, like, how you want to grow, just, you know, slash, um, oh, yeah. gift, the brunch. Totally. Like, where you see those going. Um, 
Yeah, I think that that's like a good because I think that that's like exciting to know because obviously, well, are are any of them registers like nonprofits or anything? Have you gone through that? Yeah. So, okay. Girls in Fashion and Tech is um, not registered as a nonprofit. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a for-profit organization. Okay. Cool. Um, again, the curriculum consulting piece. Um, we yeah. work with different universities and essentially educational organizations to Mm -hmm. um, just make sure that all the things we've talked about are in the landscape of fashion education. Right. Um, So, Which, by the way, for listeners, if you listened to the previous episode with Chelsea of Happy Period, a nonprofit is still a business. So, mm -hmm. like, it's truly, like, in my opinion at least, like, a difference of how you want to deal with your taxes and money and stuff like that. Exactly. Yeah. And so um, all of these, well, girls in fashion and tech I can speak to – two years old, operating at a substantial loss. We're investing a lot right now in building Which, those relationships. Because yeah. I think that that's important for people to know that, like, it's not like you're <laughs> doubling your income by doing this. Yeah, no, definitely right now it's more a labor of love than mm-hmm. anything. But well, thank you super important. It. Yeah, it's super important. And I think, you know, as we find new ways to partner with other <laughs> um, businesses, nonprofits, mm-hmm. just people out in the workplace, um, to talk about these issues, um, to help people understand how they're all connected. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I think that growing it will very much look like having more program for programming for students and young girls to make mm-hmm. sure that um, they, again, have the language, the wherewithal, the exposure to yeah. develop um, just a really successful career that can be like meaningful and like contribute to the fashion space. Definitely. Um, the brunch, I already mentioned, you know, we are going to be expanding to other cities. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, thank you. So that's less of like a formalized effort and just more of a collaboration between right. myself and Jessica. Mm-hmm. Um, so right now, those are our plans. Um, I think as time goes on, we'll definitely evolve and like hopefully continue to grow. Um, slash, which I haven't had as much an opportunity to talk about, but shameless short plug. And um, I will also explain it at the end of the, okay, yeah, great. either the intro or the outro. Okay. I'll dive into it a little bit more. Perfect. Um, but slash is Seattle ladies and side hustles. Um, I, oh, I yeah, I it's fun. So we, um, Dora Ulysses, one of my really good friends, we started at Amazon around the same time. Mm-hmm. She works, um, in like does really cool technical things um, with like marketing and like um, some of which I can't fully explain. But one of her passions is for women in fitness, specifically um, minority and black women in fitness, mm-hmm. um, health consciousness and just understanding your body and like your relationship with your body and making yeah. sure that it's like super tight and intact. Mm-hmm. Um, and so your relationship, not your body. I mean, yes. it's great if your body is <laughs> like it takes some hard work. Yes. Thank you for the clarification. Of, <laughs> yeah. Self love, but like totally. <laughs> um, yeah. Just acknowledging that relationship with your body is super tight and intact. Um, so adorably fit is her business and she does, um, personal training group oh, cool. classes. Um, but she also blogs about like healthy options for people who like find like a vegan lifestyle or just, healthy yeah. eating like unapproachable like totally. how do you make that better for yourself yeah, so your mindset around it exactly um so she and I over the last four years like have been evolving right into these like entrepreneurial spaces mm-hmm. um and one of the things that we just always identified through our friendship was you know it's really challenging holding yourself accountable to being an entrepreneur like when do you yeah. find the time when you're working like a super demanding job yeah, yeah um because where do you find the time? Um, no, it's a question. How do you... Oh, oh gosh. <laughs> like, well, I think it's like having friends like Jessica or um, having friends like Dora or, mm-hmm. I mean... Well, yeah, because you can turn your hangouts into productive... Exactly. Productive meetings and people to hold you accountable. Like, I yeah. think that's the biggest piece of, like, what has gotten me to this next phase of mm-hmm. like wanting to launch these different ideas because everything yeah. starts out as an idea right like yeah. you see a problem that like impacts you and you're like mm-hmm. hmm how do I take steps toward fixing this right um and then I think over time when you take enough steps you're like hmm this could be a business yeah um so and just like what you want to share with the world like how do you formalize it in a way that like it's palatable for people totally. it can impact other people um, so Dora and I just got together and we were like, you know what, <laughs> we meet up sometimes every time I leave this like setting, 
Um, I feel empowered. Like I'm oh, going good. to like chase down my ideas. Like we should do this for like other women, right? Yes. Which is the kind of friends you should all be. Talking about, <laughs> by the way, like don't be around people. It's on. A, it's fine if on occasion they're in a rut, but mm-hmm. like somebody drains you every time. Like we should all leave mm-hmm. hangouts with our friends, feeling mm-hmm. empowered and yeah. like fired up about life. Yeah, and like motivated to chase whatever that thing is that yes. like plagues you. Mm-hmm. Um, and your so why, as, yes, as your why. My first guest, Karen, calls it. Oh, I, I love like, that. She's great. That's so good. Um, And so for Dora and I, we specifically uh, created Slash to address this challenge for black women in Seattle. Mm -hmm. Um, The black population in Seattle is under 8%. So if Mm -hmm. you could imagine what that feels like to walk around every day and, you know, 8 in 100 people um, look like you. It is a challenge to be overcome, to exist in that space and try to like find people who have a similar experience to you on a, right. from their daily perspective. Um, so just creating a space for black women in Seattle to come together, work, collaborate, barter their talents, awesome. um, and just support each other in this like entrepreneurship slash day job journey. Um, yeah. cause it does have different challenges than doing one or the other. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of like the premise of it and so we started last year with just like a co-working meetup mm-hmm. um and just giving people a space to talk about what they're doing um giving people an opportunity to ask questions like we're all at different stages and phases of like entrepreneurship mm-hmm. and then this year we um, are really excited because uh we've developed some more formal programming around cool. like what does it look like when you're starting a business and you need like accounting support or right. like yeah. legal support or how do you like set up your SEO and like your marketing? Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because you may do that like day in and day out for like a huge conglomerate or like a global company. Right. But then when it's time to do it for yourself, you are kind of like, where do I start? Well, and yeah, because the scaffolding's not in place. Mm-hmm. Like you've seen it, what it's like to maintain something that exists, mm-hmm. but you didn't have to be there at the genesis of it. Yeah. Um, and also I think we all just spiral out of control when something's our own. Yeah. Cause it's like, I own it. Like, so I have, you yeah. know, the propensity for it to like <coughs> succeed or fail. Yeah. Um, whereas like typically at work, wherever you work, no matter how scrappy you are, there's some sort there's of like support. infrastructure yeah, yeah, in place. Right. Some so people that, tell you when you're messing up. Exactly. You exactly. Um, so Again, like for me, I think I would just summarize like all of my experiences and the things that I care about creating is mm-hmm. just like building community, right? Like awesome. building community for students and women who are interested in the fashion space. Like how do we make sure that newly injected skills that are technical and like needed and necessary to solve all of these problems? Yes. Like how are we all coming together, talking about them, talking about our challenges, like making sure we're exposed to like everything that's happening out there. Um, Which people, honestly, that is another aspect of just gender differences mm -hmm. that I'm like, that is something that is nearly, and I'm sure there are exceptions. I know there are exceptions Mm -hmm. out out there, but that is building community is something that's almost exclusive to women. Like the fact that we value that and are good at it Mm -hmm. and connect people Mm -hmm. like very few men value that. Which so I love also that, that I think that it's, um, and that's something that people can, I think, acknowledge that is like helping everybody Mm -hmm. like there's no way that that has any sort of like negative impact Mm -hmm. um because i know we only have a minute left okay the last question that Mm -hmm. i ask everybody is um like what is something that you would want to hear the behind the scenes of Oh, wow. Oh, my gosh. Did I not send you this ahead of time? No, you did. Oh, okay. Yeah, I yeah, had it. I was did. like, <gasps> So there I were a couple of things that I had, and so, like, I didn't, like, Which yes, I didn't expect you to answer right off the bat, okay. but I suddenly had just the, like, oh, no, I thought I, what else did I <laughs> No, you did. Okay. Um, so I think for me, like, I would want to see the behind the scenes of, this is, like, a hot button topic right now oh, and good. part of pop it's culture. Um, but I'm really curious to know, like, and we talked about it before we started, but... I'm super interested right now in what is the evolution of this like media and print process where we have these like really challenging images that we're like putting out into the world in 2019. Um, And so I've had like limited exposure in a way like through like editorial and marketing, just being a part of those processes for all of my like career. Mm -hmm. Um, But when we start to think about in like the high fashion space where you can have like a Gucci or Prada, like Mm -hmm. over the last 70 years, um, as I mentioned, like I was telling you about all of Kim Jenkins, um, research and just what she's found about just the evolution of the historical context of like the relationship between high fashion and race. Um, 
how is it that we still have these like one dimensional perspectives? Um, is it Dolce Gabbana? Oh my gosh, yes. Oh like, my God. I just threw my pen if you're wondering. <laughs> yeah, we still have these very one dimensional perspectives on what marketing should look like for high fashion and um, people still ignoring when things are like highly racialized yes. or just having the limited perspective to like look at something and see it and um or just being afraid at work to speak being up. afraid at work to speak up so i would love to see the behind the scenes of that process awesome. of how does something go from creative direction all the way to um print and like without no one says yeah like <laughs> hmm, this might look racist yeah. so i think it's like a good one. kind of interesting to me thank you yeah Track down someone to see what they have to see say. See what they say. Tight lips, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Um, awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on. I really appreciate your yes, time. Thank you for having me. All your insight it was amazing. Yay! Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of BTS Podcast. Just a quick reminder to please check out Trendscaping. This episode is brought to you in partnership with Trendscaping. The work that is done at Trendscaping is incredible. I learn so much from their newsletter on a regular basis. And if you are interested in contributing, you can do that. Um, If you have wanted to do trend forecasting for some time and feel like you've shared insights on your personal channel, which is my case, I share insights on my personal channel, but I don't have that many followers. It's like maybe like probably around 10,000 cumulatively across channels, which is not really, and of course like that spans from like people who know me to people who I grew up with to family members who could care less about just, you know, trends in general. Um, Their website is great. The founder is amazing. And I highly recommend following them across channels as well as signing up for their newsletter. Thank you again. And I would love to hear what you thought about this episode. Please do review it. Shoot me a DM if you have more questions. Um, I really appreciate Brittany's time. Please do be sure to look up Girls in Fashion and Tech. Um, You can, let me think, where can you find? So they actually are releasing their WTF Fashion podcast, I believe in late March or early May. And not, what is after March? April, sorry, it's been a long South by. Um, Late March, early April. I'm sure that she will be sharing it on her Instagram. You can follow her at Just Call Me Hicks. You can also look up um, Girls in Fashion and Tech on Facebook. In fact, actually go to their website, which is girlsinfashionandtech.com. And at the very bottom, all of their social channels are linked. You can click through to your favorite. And I am certain that when the podcast is live, they will send out updates. Um, And it'll be really interesting. I will say that it is probably of the panels I've attended, not only at South by, but the various conferences I've gone to that pride themselves in innovation. This was probably one of the most actionable and insightful learning experiences I have ever had. Um, The panelists were absolutely incredible and I highly recommend following all three of them across social channels. Um, Thank you so much and I hope you enjoyed the episode.